Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, this is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm talking with Carla Fernandez. Carla co-founded the dinner party with Lennon Flowers in the years following the death of her father, Jose Fernandez, to brain cancer. She found that life after loss, especially for someone in their early 20s, lacked the kind of peer support she was hungry for. So she invited a group of soon-to-be be friends who'd all experienced loss to a potluck on her Los Angeles back porch. When not working on the dinner party, Carla is the community lead on at Enso, a creative agency focused on social impact projects with brands including Google, Khan Academy, Barbie, and the Nature Conservancy. Carla is a Reynolds Scholar at NYU's Gallatin School of Individualized Study where she concentrated in social entrepreneurship and a senior fellow at USC's Annenberg Innovation Lab. My daughter graduated from USC. I know it well. (laughs) Welcome, Carla. Thank you, Cheryl. So excited to chat with you today. Oh, me too. I've really been looking forward to it. I just wanted to start by sharing with people the the kind of... um, headline I guess on your web t- website because Great. I really I really do love it through intimate peer driven dinner parties we work to turn our most isolating experiences into sources of rich community empathy and meaningful conversation ah music to my ears <laughs> <laughs> mine too <laughs> but let's just start at the beginning because um you know, there was a there was a moment before you probably envisioned doing this work at all. Uh, Indeed, and, and and then uh, life led you here, and I'd like to I'd like you to share some of that story with people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, my partner Lennon and I we both have definitely agreed that we did not grow up thinking that someday we would focus so much of our heart and souls and time and energy on convening people who've experienced loss. But, you know, we both found ourselves in our early 20s um, living with a parent with terminal cancer and then losing one of our parents. Um, My dad, as you mentioned, had brain cancer. He was diagnosed when I was 20 and passed away when I was 21. Um, And I was the first... He passed then. It was fast. Yeah, it was... um, a disease called glioblastoma multiforme, um, and it's actually what John McCain was recently diagnosed with. And um, it happened quickly, and it happened in the year when most of my um, friends were graduating from college and getting their first jobs or, you know, figuring out what they were going to be when they grew up or backpacking through Central America. And I moved home and took care of my dad and spent that year really um, in a really, honestly, beautiful, intimate space with my family. Um, but asking questions that most twenty, early twenty somethings don't generally um, have to ask. Yes. So, and then after he passed away, um, and I started to go through sort of the grieving process personally and also institutionally, and went to a few grief support groups and 
read all of the literature that I could find just to help make sense of what I was feeling and how the world around me was shifting and felt like the one of the pieces that was really missing was a place to connect with people who shared my sensibility and who were similar to me in age where we weren't being supervised or facilitated, but we could just talk um, and talk not just about the hard parts of it, of course, and the, the C word or the death itself, but really what now and how do you live well moving forward um, with all the sorts of questions and epiphanies and challenges that come with life after. Mm. Um, and my dad was a, an amazing, amazing guy who um, made family meals so important to, to my household growing up. And the place that I really wanted to be able to do that was the place that reminded me the most of him, which was around a dinner table. So um, I invited a handful of folks who I'd met from different corners of my life who I knew had experienced a loss, but I also had never really had the chance to talk with them about it because there was never quite the right time. You know, it's always one of the original dinner partiers I had met at a party, which is totally not the place where you want to dive into your story of grief and loss. Um, <laughs> Unless you're me, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> now me too. Know what you're <laughs> <laughs> at the time, I was so afraid of the kind of the record scratch, the deer in the headlights look that you yes. might get when you bring bring up that part of your story. And it was so raw for me then that it was it was more um, delicate to go there and and actually, Lennon, my co-founder, and I were working together at an, a company, and we'd actually been um, sitting sort of elbow to elbow in this startup for a few months before we finally revealed to one another that we share this part of our story. Um, mm-hmm. And she was one of those, the first people who came over to dinner. And it was very, we had no intention of starting anything. It was a social experiment. I hoped that it wouldn't be the most awkward night of all of our lives. And it ended <laughs> up being, yeah, I know, it ended up being the opposite of that. It was sort of, we talk about it as the best blind date we'd all been on. Most of the folks um, who were there that night were meeting for the first time. Um, and a lot of the conversation was was about sort of the hard to discuss topics that are very real, but a little more subtle. Like, you know, what do you do when you're on a first date and somebody asks, what do your parents do? You know, do you answer that honestly? How do you bring up the fact that one of your parents has passed away without killing the mood? And you know, you could imagine there's so many other dynamics that young people have to deal with when they're grieving that um, no one's written the handbook yet on, on how to on how to walk through that. So being able to share stories and have laughs and um, just sort of normalize what everyone else was going through ended up being a huge um, antidote to that, that feeling of isolation and, and weirdness that many of us around that first table felt. You know, as I was preparing for uh, to be with you today, um, I kept thinking of a guest I've I've had on a couple of times. Her name is Claire Bidwell Smith, oh, and yeah. um, she wrote a book called Rules of Inheritance mm-hmm. about the early loss of both of her parents, and um, it sort of threw her off of her track. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think um, in reflecting on on uh, that coming to my mind, I was thinking she really didn't have contemporaries mm. to to share that with, mm-hmm. and and the isolation that resulted seemed to me a big part of just sort of feeling out of sync or you know um, uh, alienated. I guess. Yes. Do you do you find that with people, uh, you know, who come who get involved with dinners that kind of alienation phenomenon? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think that 
we're not in any way, shape, or form solving for grief. Um, this isn't about fixing or stopping grief. I think grief is this critical um, emotional, spiritual process that we all go through that is so connected to gratitude and so connected to love. It's not about stopping the grief, but it's about stopping the isolation and that feeling of alienation that you're talking about and that I think Claire just, you know, described so beautifully in her writing that, you know, here is the thing that has been happening since as long as humans have been around and yet we still are left feeling so alien within it and how do we create the places for people to come together and frankly just nod across the table and say me too um the grief and the grief is hard enough as it is and what all we want to do is take away that layer of stigma and isolation that can can make it way more difficult than it needs to be and you know it also makes me think i i work with a lot of people in my counseling profession that um are come to me to talk about grief, uh, loss, early loss of a parent. Yeah. But what they're really talking about is that no one talked about it. Mm, yeah. uh, it you know, I can't remember a person who's come with that subject uh, and said, everyone did a great job of talking about it, but I just, I just can't move forward. It's mm. usually uh, everybody, you know, the day after my mom died, uh, no one mentioned her again. Or, you know, it's mm-hmm. that kind of sense of being departed from everyone around you because everyone's having a separate experience. So I can yeah. imagine just getting together and, and having dinner and talking, that in itself is a balm. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the folks who come to dinners, it's it has it's been more than six months since the loss or six weeks from the loss. In many cases, it's been six years or even 16 years. And, you know, they're quote unquote outside of the normal period of grieving or bereavement. But that doesn't mean that their loved one isn't still part of their life. And, you know, oftentimes people will see people going through life milestones, like starting a family of their own or moving to a new city that, um, might jumpstart a grieving process if they didn't have the, the space or the comfort to go into sooner in their life. Um, I think there can often be sort of a delayed, which is hard because, you know, the condolence cards and the casseroles stop arriving after about month number one. Um, But that can often be when folks are just sort of feeling a sense of shock and the actual hard work can start once all that dust really settles. So we find people coming to these dinners, um, you know, sometimes feeling like, is this, does this still apply to me? Am I still welcome here? Even though uh-huh. it's been many months or many years and we're like, pull up a chair. <laughs> it never, yes. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about Dr. Kubler-Ross and her amazing research um, and the five stages of grieving. And while, she, you know, it was incredible science and, and an important framework, I think it's oftentimes the only piece of science that people have on hand or in their back pocket when they think about grieving um, but it kind of sets up uh, an expectation that grief is linear, that I'm going to go through a set of phases and I'm going to check a box and move on to the next one and I'm going to complete this linear process. Um, and from my personal experience and the conversations we've had with our thousands of dinner partiers now is that that's really not the case. And so I think the the kind of cultural framework and the cultural ways that we understand grief can oftentimes make someone's direct experience more complicated than it needs to be. And there's a Absolutely. lot of myth busting that happens around the table um, that we that we love to see. So, 
Well, and and just an important note about that. Um, she unfortunately called them stages, but she didn't see them as linear. Mm. Uh, so that's a kind of um, m- mistaken semantics in a way. Um, she didn't see them as going in order or going at a particular timeline or, mm. uh, you know, so she was just identifying different things that people seem to feel and think. Yep. And so that's that's important, too. You know, it's kind of a, a, a ball of string wadded up more than it's some line. <laughs> exactly. Oh. So... Um, I'm I'm very uh, captivated by the moment where you reached out to these people you barely knew. Um, you know, now there's this whole system that you've created where people can find a dinner, and mm-hmm. and the protocol is no one knows each other, and mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of what's expected. But I could imagine that that first reaching out and saying, "Hey, you want to come to dinner and talk about." Uh, the person you lo- you know talk about loss uh, that just really stands out to me. Mm. What was that like for you? Mm, thank you for that. Um, it just felt like what I needed so deeply in that moment um, that I was okay getting a no reply or I was sort of okay grinning and bearing through what might be a couple uncomfortable hours. Uh just to see what might happen. Um, And it was totally worth it. You know, I think it was definitely a moment that took some courage and a little bravery and definitely a a bottle of wine helped get the conversation (laughs) going. Um, Uh Not a requirement of our dinners, but, you know, a social lubricant through and through. So, um, yeah, and it it was, it's funny, I didn't really, I don't think I stopped to, to think about it much just because it felt like um, something that I was so deeply longing for and was lucky to have a group of friends around me who, even though some of them I knew hardly at all, were had a similar craving and a similar hunger to, to have that same sort of experience. And, you know, as soon as we sat down and toasted to our loved ones, um, you know, the conversation went late, late, late until that night. And it was the women around the table who decided to get back together again in about a month's time. And that group is still, that was seven years ago, and that group is still... Um, we've kind of dispersed a little bit across the country, but we're still in, in touch and really more friends um, than anything now. And I think our our goal with creating the dinner party and with matching tables isn't that people necessarily sit down once a month and talk about their experience with loss, but that people have a group of friends who that they can call um, when they're having a hard day and they need someone who gets their full story or when they're having a great day and they need someone who you know, in the same way gets their full story. And what we're really seeing is the creation of these micro communities of people who can be their full selves. And, you know, sometimes they'll continue coming to dinners and others will go on trips together or go for hikes or, you know, be creative about how they want to convene. But um, yeah, it's been amazing watching this community grow in many, in many ways we've been having to push it. And then in many ways we've just been um, trying to, be a steward and seeing seeing what it is that people are hungry for and how can we help create the systems um, so that they can they can find that. You know, I ha- I've had this thought for a long time. If you can talk about death, you can talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to say if you can talk about death and sex, you can talk about anything. <laughs> but <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> um, and and it occurs to me that with that as your beginning point. Uh, yeah conversations 
and and friendships could get deep faster like when I'm running a cancer support group that certainly happens mm. that because of the context people get intimate sometimes more than they are with people in their everyday lives uh, mm. because there's an invitation to that um, sensitive conversation and that very intimate conversation Absolutely. Yeah, we're big proponents of this idea of real talk. And we find that starting a conversation about, um, you know, the person who brings you to the table and, and where you're at with your relationship to that person following their passing, you know, that's really a, that question's almost a Trojan horse to get people to just really fully be vulnerable and be themselves and drop the bullshit and drop the you know, how am I doing? I'm fine, thanks. But really genuinely um, be real. And um, that's where things get really exciting and interesting for us is we're almost, you know, grief and loss is what brings people to the table. But people are staying because of the, the richness of conversation and because of the friendships that can come out of that kind of level of, of authenticity that, that ends up happening. So... You know, we're we're about to, it's about time for a break. But when we get back, what I'd like to talk about is I know from being part of groups, running groups, all of that, that um, those conversations are very difficult to have unless there are some safety ground rules. You know, yep. unless there are some some ways that people are uh, feeling protected or um, uh, as if it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And when we get back, I would love to hear how you engender that kind of environment for your dinner parties. I know you have some training that people go through, and I'd really love to talk about that. That sounds perfect. Great. Listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. Like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, connect on LinkedIn, etc., etc. Uh, and you can sign up for my email list there, too. To find Carla Fernandez and her work, go to thedinnerparty.org. Be back soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Carla Fernandez about the organization she and her partner, Lennon Flowers, co-founded The Dinner Party, which brings together young people, mostly young people, um, who have experienced a loss, to talk about it over dinner. And um, before the break, Carla, I was... um, saying that I'd like to talk about how you structure the dinner parties because I would just think that um, creating a safe environment for people is crucial, even though it's it's peer, a peer uh, approach, kind of like when I was young and we had consciousness raising groups, Mm. you know, we needed some structure to make that safe for everyone. Yes, um, it's a big question and a lot of what we've been spending the seven years um, since that first dinner practicing and testing and writing up and sharing are those guidelines um, of what is a what is a capitalized the dinner party? How does it work? Um, and you know my partner and I and our team we're very much you know we're not trained therapists, we're not trained grief counselors. We see what we're doing as a complement to that um, in in someone's life, not in any way as a replacement to that. Um, but what we what we really are trying to solve for is how do we how do we give a group of people enough of a structure and maybe not rules per se, but enough guidelines so that they can um, get the conversation rolling um, mm-hmm. and and feel safe and but still have it feel personal and non institutional and not like they're you know, moving through a curriculum, but it's really a conversation between a group of humans. So um, we do that by um, finding and recruiting and training our hosts. Um, We have a community of about 250 hosts now who all run tables um, in over 150 cities, mostly in the U.S., some international. And our hosts are really the core of our community. Um, we take them through a light training process. Um, we are in constant communication with them. And they're the ones who, um, you know, invite people usually into their homes. We match each host with between 5 to 20 dinner partiers from within their area. Um, and the host's job is to really sort of set the, get the conversation rolling. Um, we have a series of guidelines that we start every dinner with. Um, do you want to hear them? Sure. Yeah, right. I'd love to. 
So there's um, the, no, it's, we call it the Vegas rule, which is what happens at the table stays at the table. So there's confidentiality is important. Um, we have a rule around, um, this is not a, as one of our mentors, um, a man named Parker Palmer says, this is not a share or die kind of an environment. And just being there is participating, even if you're just chewing and nodding and smiling the whole time, that's more than enough. And then the third and probably the most important and most nuanced of the guidelines is um, no advice giving. And we really encourage people to use I statements. You know, it's we live in a culture that's so focused on fixing one another and ourselves. And it can be easy to say like, oh, well, I'm, I was in that situation a year ago. And what you should do is X, Y, or Z. This is not for that. This is really about um, creating a space where someone can hear their own truth and, um, you know, through personal stories, get to know one another better. But um, this isn't about sort of peer guidance. So those are the guidelines. And then every conversation starts with sort of an introduction of who the person is, what brings them to the table. And then what we focus on is this question of where are you at right now? Um, I think it can be easy to sort of hit the autoplay of your story around your experience with loss. We're less interested in that and we're more interested in today, this week, this holiday season, how are you doing? Um, what's coming up for you? And, and that might be related to the dinner. It might be related to your experience of loss and what brings you to the table or it might be seemingly totally different. You know, it might be about a fight you had with your boss or your partner. Or it might be about an upcoming trip. But we find that having people around the table who get the, you're the full spectrum of your story um, ha- being able to share what's happening in your life with folks who understand that and grief and loss as a through thread can be deeply, deeply helpful. Mm. I can I can well imagine that. And and interestingly, those are kind of um, your usual support group rules, or at least yep. the ones that that I know about. You know, to make say a cancer support group safe. Mm-hmm. Same types of things that you're what you've said won't be shared and that um, no one's going to tell you what to do. (laughs) You know, uh, those really do create a sense of safety. The other thing I, um, somewhere on your website, um, it sounded as if uh, you recommended to hosts that they leave some prep kind of undone so that when people got there, they could help get stuff ready. Did I get that right? You did. That seemed brilliant. <laughs> that was totally shows how um, trial by fire everything has been. And we've been hands on, rolled up our sleeves, learning this as we go. And what definitely started as a accident and running late one night and panicking because everything wasn't perfectly art directed and displayed on the table. Um, what ended up happening was people came and instead of sort of uncomfortably milling about waiting for the conversation to begin we had tasks for people and someone helped chop and someone helped set the table and somebody was making drinks for everybody and we learned in that moment like oh actually being in a little bit of a state of unfinishedness and unpreparedness means that people have something to do with their hands when they get there and it means that there's another thing to talk about and start conversation around that isn't you know so why are you here you know um and I think a lot of what's what's been interesting about the dinner party as it's evolved is showing how people very much do want to talk about these things, but it can be hard to address them head on. Um, and that food and gathering and sharing family recipes and talking about meals allows us to come in at these topics on a slant. Um, 
oftentimes we have people bring a dish. It's They're always potlucks, but oftentimes people will bring a dish that has some sort of personal significance and will use the food that's brought to the table as a way of introducing the, the memories and the people who were representing, not just the fact that they died, but that the fact that they were very much once alive and that we have memories of them in the kitchen and that, you know, whether they're happy memories or sad memories or um, any of it, food is such an amazing universal way of connecting people and, and really helps people let their guards down and let stories unfold that can otherwise be hard to access. The other thing that came to my mind when I was reading that is that um, there can be a sort of, um, I, I almost want to say disempowering sense in grief, um, like you, you're just sort of bogged down or, you know, and, and feeling like an active participant in the dinner like you have a part to play that's active I could imagine that really lending itself to a sense of equality a sense of um, um, agency I guess Mm. um, that appeals to me um, where we're all sort of here making the dinner and talking yeah (laughs) you know absolutely yeah I'm it's an interesting point that we, we don't actually talk about um, that often it doesn't come up that come up that often but there's a different feeling when you're sort of um, walking into a pre- receive a service that someone is providing like a counseling or a grief support which there have been times in my in my own story where those things have been critical to keeping me healthy and but it, it is a different feeling when you're walking into an environment that is created by a friend or a future friend and you know, where there's sort of that, that um, humanity and that openness to it. And, you know, I think that there's something really special about that and the idea that this group is self-organizing and they're figuring out what dishes they're going to bring and what night they're going to meet. And, um, you know, our tables do these incredibly creative things with their menus and they meet in parks and have picnics and they come up with fun, you know, meditations or poems that they use to start the conversations. There's so much expression that ends up happening in the kind of design of the gatherings. Um, and then sometimes they just get pizza takeout and it's very low maintenance and um, <laughs> there's that end of the uh-huh. spectrum too. But it's sure. really, it's really, there's really a feeling of, um, you know, it, creativity and connections happening between people around the table is, is part of what is bringing people back. You know, it just occurred to me while you were talking that, um, from my point of view, I, I'm a I'm a therapist. I work a lot with grief, but grief is not a pathology. You know, mm. you're not sick if you're grieving. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and um, there's there's some way that um, what you're doing speaks to the um, normalcy of grief. Hmm. That uh, there was a time in human history where when you lost someone, you know, you you sat at the dinner table and talked about it. And um, we've we've lost some of that. So I uh, it makes sense to me that food would be involved. Mm. I guess that's what I'm getting at there. I know it's at the end of the day, we're like, we haven't come up with anything new. This is what you know, it's breaking bread, which is as old as bread itself. And. Um, it's talking about loss. And I think that's the piece that is where we're sort of recovering right now is um, making it okay to go there and making it okay to talk about how hard it might be or 
um, the questions that make people feel strange or the aspects of it that can be isolating. And, um, you know, this really isn't, this, there's no rocket science happening um, around these tables. I think it's just sort of inviting this conversation that isn't happening in other communities or in other circles in our lives and, and really designating a, a kind of a, a space where it can really happen. So... I, I wonder if there isn't a piece of it, too, that's about how hard it is. Uh, if we go way back to, let's say, a more village-oriented world, right? Uh, you know everybody, and everybody knows you. Mm. And so when big events happen, you're kind of in it together. Yeah. Uh, but that isn't the world that we necessarily live in, in the, at the moment. So one mm. thing you're doing that is, to me, uh, quite important is connecting people mm. who, who are having those experiences at the same time. Right. Yeah, we there's there's such interesting sort of trends in migration and a lot of the people who are coming to our dinners and who are reaching out to us looking for a table aren't living in the cities and towns where they grew up, which means, you know, they've moved to they moved somewhere for a job opportunity or because of a relationship. I think we're way more migratory than we've ever been before. And the cost of that is that we're no longer sort of close to the the people who knew us best or, you know, running into our elementary school teachers in the grocery store or, or the kinds of things that happen when we are really rooted in, in a single place. Yes. Um, so, you know, we get a lot of folks who are moving to a new city and not only are they looking for people that they can um, talk to about their experience with loss, but they're looking for, for friendships um, and you know, they, they want to go deeper than the kind of friendships you might make on a dating app or the friendships that you might make in the workplace or, um, you know, on a pickup soccer team or the other places that you might go to meet people when you were in a new city. They really, they're looking for places where they can bring their the full side of their, their, their full story, basically. So, yeah, it's been interesting seeing how, how I think in many ways people reaching out to us asking to be matched, which is really the main function of what we do now is playing this matchmaker. Um, that, that It's not that people don't want to talk about it. It's just that they don't have um, access to other folks in their lives who they feel like they can go there with. And, and what we're just doing is kind of connecting the dots. I know that right now you're kind of, your door is a bit closed um, yes. to, to expansion. And um, uh, um What's the plan about that? Because I yeah. can imagine people are going to hear this and want to get yeah. involved and, you know, want to um, want to experience what we're talking about. Totally. So, you know, we started this as without the intention of starting an, an organization and a few years in, once we realized that we weren't alone in this desire to gather around loss, um, we became a nonprofit. And since then, I've been growing um, our community and building our team to support the increased demand that we've been getting Um we have never um, done any kind of proactive marketing of the dinner party. It's all just been word of mouth. And it's this last year, our doors just got sort of knocked down by by demand. And for the first time ever, we had to shut the front door and um, put everything on pause so that we could basically clear out our waiting lists. And we have waiting lists of people in cities across America who want to join the table um, we don't have enough hosts, so we're actively looking for people who are down to open up their homes and play more of that light facilitator um, and, like, you know, organizer role. 
Mm-hmm. And we're also actively looking for funding because, you know, we really are building a community that requires care and um, we're, we're needing to build out our team of people who can both be training the hosts and providing the ongoing support to tables and resources to our community. And there's, there's so much that we are doing and so much that more that we would love to be doing. So we are in the middle of a um, fundraiser right now. Um, it's called Raising Our Glass and it's all about celebrating the people who've given us courage in life after loss, whether it's the memory of the person that we lost um, or if it's someone expected or unexpected who stepped up for us following our loss. Um, And we're individual tables and individual people within our communities are running um, micro fundraisers to basically celebrate those folks and um, also raise much needed funds to allow us to clear out our wait lists and open back up for next year um, because there's there's much that we want to do and, and a ton of demand and you know we want to be in a place where we can meet it and do it well you know it's it it brings up a very common um, theme that yep. I've noticed over the four years that I've been doing this show I just passed four years and congratulations uh, thank you uh, I'm excited about it um, what I notice is that almost everyone that I talk with, um, you know, 99% uh, didn't exactly plan to be where they are. It's, it's, it's similar to the story you're telling that um, it, there's a sort of evolutionary process as opposed to a planning, an intellectual planning process. Right. And it, it almost goes faster than you can in a way. Right. I've, I've, um, I've been that person feeling that way and I've talked with so many people. I think there's something about grief itself that um, kind of clears away the the mental way of doing things mm. perhaps and yep. and just um, leads to a passion, a calling to get get your um, your work out there mm. in a way. So and then you have to do the the back part, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I hope that people will go, people can just go to your website to um, to contribute. Exactly. There's a, if you go to the dinnerparty.org, there's um, a link to the fundraising campaign that we're doing right now. And exactly, we've got, we, and it's an interesting balance between how much can you sit down and plan for the growth of a organic community like this one and balancing that versus, you know, the having really big vision and dreams for where this can all go and where our community wants to carry itself. So um, mm. we're excited for what's ahead for sure. Well, that'll be a perfect subject for our last segment Great. where you see it all going. And I, I know you have a separate uh, related project, um, the People Supper, that yep. I want to talk about too. So we'll talk about all that when we come back. Great. Uh, and, and listeners, uh, go go find both of us during the break. You can go to weatheringgrief.com or the the Good Grief Voice America homepage to find me and to find Carla Fernandez and the dinner party. You can go to thedinnerparty.org. Back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you heard of nutritional balancing? 
Your body's biochemistry affects the mental, physical, and emotional aspects of your life. Many of the diseases we face are related to an imbalance of the mind, body, and spirit. Find out how to get everything back in line when you tune in to Healing Treasures of Wisdom with host Daniel Solomon. Learn how to heal yourself and your family every week. Listen Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Carla Fernandez, and we've been talking about her uh, nonprofit, The Dinner Party which matches people to come together and talk about their losses um, and is especially um, accessible to to younger age groups, 20s and 30s. And um, Carla, in this last third, I'd, there are two things I'd really like to talk about uh, in whatever order. Um, yeah. One is the people's supper and what, you know, that kind of, it makes so much sense to me that that, that pulled pulled your organization to do mm. something about the divides that we're experiencing because yeah. I see those as losses too. Um, so I'd like to talk about that and just what your dreams are for uh, where this this organization you've now created can go in the future. Great. Well, thank you for that. And we can I can tell you a little bit about the People's Supper, which is a collaboration between our organization, the Dinner Party, and two others. One's Hollaback, and the other is the Faith Matters Network. Um, and this is something that's been really led by my partner, Len, in, in the last year. Um, there were conversations sort of 
preceding the election of, um, wow, we're living in a much more divided nation than we even imagined. And I think regardless of your political preferences and persuasions, we can agree on that. And we started to have conversations about how can the act of breaking bread and the methodology and the community that we've been building who um, is turning back to the table and sitting back down at the table for to allow conversations to happen and listening to happen that otherwise isn't happening. Um, mm. How can we apply all of this stuff that we've been learning to other kinds of hard conversations, um, which is what led us to launch the People's Supper. Um, and the People's Supper is gathering people around two sort of main tracks. One is bringing people together who might vote in the same way um, and sort of identify as being part of the same community and really want to talk about how do we refill our tanks um, in, in times like these when there's so much change and, and turmoil happening. Um, and then the second track is how do we actually bring people together across lines of difference and by breaking bread build bridges um, where um, otherwise people might not be able to to really hear each other and sort of the belief there is if we can sit down and connect as humans and share our personal stories and not debate the issues but really just learn to listen to one another um, that's sort of the beginning of any kind of of reparation and peace work that can happen moving forward so it's been a it's been a whirlwind of a um of a year and we just sort of hatched this around this time last year um and have had um, dinners happen across the country. And actually, um, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, and Prince Harry all sat down to have one of these people suppers on Halloween of this year, which was um, never something that we imagined would happen. But we were so honored that they decided to have a people's supper as the kickoff of the um, Obama Foundation's inaugural summit. So which brings us to kind of the, the broader question of where we see this all going. You know, I think that what really excites us is creating spaces for people to have these hard, tabooed conversations about our common shared sources of struggle and through that conversation create or find sources of strength and sources of joy and sources of community. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing it in the grief conversation with our work with the dinner party and we're doing it in sort of a broader, more um, collective care, collective loss conversation around the people's supper. And we're sort of continuing to fall down that rabbit hole and see what else um, what else opens up for us. That's an interesting way to talk about it, falling down the rabbit hole. You just don't know where things are going to go if you open the door uh, in, in your imagination, do you? It's We're talking about that a lot these days and how much do we sort of control and set a strategic plan and stick to it and focus and prioritize and all of those things that good, you know, responsible leaders do and then how do we also pay attention to the climate of the world and where sort of conversations happening and demand is happening and you know the the ideas that might be sort of offhand comments can actually um take things in a in a much more not just big for the sake of being big but um rich and dynamic direction than we could have even imagined so it's definitely a balancing game of sticking to a plan and executing and, and building a really safe, strong, sustainable structure, and at the same time, um, recognizing that this is living and breathing, this work that we're doing, and we need to be sort of listening to it um, just as much as we are telling it what to do. I'm, I'm also really um, 
interested, you know, this this idea of having people's suppers where people on across the spectrum uh, sit down and and have a meal together and talk. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm very interested that there are people uh, who have a different perspective from me, let's say, mm-hmm. who want to do that too. Yes. You know, because I think that the general um, kind of buzz is that no one wants to talk to each other. Um, but obviously, if these dinners are happening, that's not true. Exactly. And that's, you know, I think that um, there just haven't been the places where people will feel welcomed and where people won't feel attacked and where people will feel like, you know, I can genuinely ask the questions that I'm holding and and learn about these, you know, learn about not the issues, but these people and where they're coming from and what what's important to them. And, um, you know, I sort of a and and then our the way that we've been uncovering it is that that's really the first step towards any kind of progress you know is is learning how to to listen to one another and treating each other as humans and there's sort of no better way to do that in my opinion than um by breaking bread so and you know the the people supper is the people supper.org and similarly similar structure to the dinners around grief and loss um you know you can apply to host a table or apply to join a table and um our guidelines are also available for free for anyone to download and take if you feel inspired to to run with it um but then we can also train you if you're wanting that kind of support as well mm. it reminds me of something i heard uh several years ago now where um during the vietnam war which was also an extremely polarized um time uh this kind of quote-unquote peacenik organization was somehow invited to speak at the Pentagon. Hmm. Uh, How that happened, I don't know, and I can't imagine. But (laughs) it happened, and they went in and sat down in this room, and it was extremely tense. Mm, Uh, And they were trying to figure out how to bridge the gap. And uh, they started by saying, we have a lot of differences, but I think we, we all want peace for our children. We all, you know, and they just listed all these things that were pretty certainly uh, in common. Hmm. And the whole conversation changed that there's some way that if you find a common point, like I want to be able to talk to people that have different viewpoints, mm-hmm. for instance, it changes the whole um, the whole room. Uh, right. I think that's the same sort of sort of thing. But I imagine food would make that even mm. uh, even easier. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's we've been doing um, a series within the People's Supper um, with the City Council neighborhood councils here in Los Angeles, and we're getting pushback from some people before they attend. Of like, you know, what's what's the agenda for this evening, and what are we going to accomplish, and that sort of taskmaster minded, you know, we have to be setting an agenda and debating specific issues and coming out with some kind of an outcome. And, you know, what ends up happening is we don't talk about issues. We don't, you know, it's not about um, sort of moving through an agenda, but actually by spending time doing what some people might consider a softer exercise of just building relationships and learning how to listen and building trust between people, that's, that actually is removing the barrier to the getting stuff done that we so desperately need. Um, mm. 
So yeah, and we're, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're about a year into this work. We launched it in January of 2017 and um, we're really interested and excited to see where it evolves to um, in the coming years. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that being powerful. I'm thinking about when I'm working with couples and one of the things I say often is if your hearts aren't open, you won't be able to solve problems. Mm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, totally. That has to happen first. Then we can then we can start talking about how to make this work better. Um, yes. So I think that can be applied um, bro- more broadly as well. Certainly. And do you have visions for what might happen with the dinner party beyond what's already happening or is it just that getting bigger? Yeah, um we are we've got we've got visions for sure and we've got some plans that are in play right now. We're um working on a new website that's going to allow people to way more easily find a table in their area and request to join it. Um, So letting our team kind of get out of the way a little bit and allowing technology to help um, get people to tables more quickly. Um, You know, very much technology to help aid more human relationships. So we're really excited to get that up and running because we can then um, allow more tables to launch more quickly. And continuing to continuing to kind of meet the demand as it comes in we've been working on translating all of our materials into spanish um so want to be more accessible to spanish-speaking communities we've been also having a conversation around um how do we get more men at the table our community's currently roughly probably 75 percent women 25 percent men and we want to change that 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 divide but there's some other questions that i'm sure you've talked about on this show around you know, masculinity and vulnerability and grief and different dynamics that come up there. And sure. we have a we have a, a wish list of projects um, that we want to be able to work on and are looking for supporters who can help us dig into those other those other questions around them. But um, yeah, and I think the sort of the broad, crazy, hairy, audacious goal that we talk about is, you know, how can dinner parties be as accessible as yoga classes or as well-known as AA meetings and that mm. the act of sitting down with people to talk about shared sources of struggle and turning that into joy and grief and connect or joy and connection and strength, um, how is that just sort of a part of everyday nomenclature and something that's available to anyone regardless of what they're going through? So, that's the kind of big long-term life's work vision that we have for what we're doing. And in the meantime, we're just putting one foot in front of the other day by day yeah. and looking for people who can um, help join in with us as we, as we build that. You know, I don't, I don't rule it out at all. I'm thinking of the conversation project, which is a uh, end of life planning yeah. Love that. Um, organization. And uh, again, families usually mm-hmm. sometimes bigger communities sitting down and talking and there's a town in the midwest somewhere where ev- pr- virtually everyone in the town has actually done the conversation project yep so it's not out of the question mm-hmm. and and i think that kind of idea that uh culture can change when you um when you dream that big is is very captivating to me mm. Yeah, we we love um, the conversation project and what they're doing, and have definitely used that as a as like an inspiration. And um, one thing that we're finding in encouraging people to talk about their grief um, and loss, it sort of 
de-icing um, or defrosting conversations about preparing for your own end of life as well. Oh, absolutely. That's a great place for us to end. We've run out of time. But um, as you develop, maybe you'll come back again and, and share where it goes. I would I'd be happy to, to. I'd love to keep up with you because I, I just love the idea and what you're doing. Likewise. So thanks for being with me today. Of course. Anytime. Thank you, Cheryl. You bet. Next week, I'll have Olivier Larvore and Keith Clark. Their podcast, Death Hangout, uh, offers a place where talking about death can activate what it means to be living. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.